Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. First reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. We hear a scripture passage that is probably the most prevalent and most important in all of the Bible. Notice what Jeremiah says. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their fathers, the day I took them by hand to lead them from the land of Egypt. For they broke my covenant, and I had to show myself their master, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will place my law within them. I will write it upon their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer will they have need to teach their friends and relatives how to know God. All, from least to greatest, shall know me, says the Lord. Well, this is a new covenant, unlike any other, that has ever been established between the Israelites and God. Now realize, the covenants that God made with the Israelites prior to this, with Moses, David, Noah, Abraham... They were not contracts. They were actually pledges, vows, in which the Israelites would vow to give themselves over to God. And God would vow and pledge to be the God of the Israelite nation. Now, what typically happened was a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice. And what they did is they took half of the blood from the animal and they poured it on the altar as a recognition of God offering himself over to the Israelites. The other half of the blood they would sprinkle on themselves is recognition that they are offering themselves over to God. Now realize, the people in the ancient world, including us in our own day and age, we recognize the importance of blood. We truly believe blood is life. And look at the Red Cross. The Red Cross will always advertise, give the gift of life, donate blood. Well, the people in the ancient world, they knew this. That's why they sacrificed an animal, and that's why they poured blood on the altar, symbolic of God giving his life to the Israelites, and sprinkled it on themselves as they offering their lives to God. And that was the pledge. And in doing so, God would give the Israelites his law, and therefore, they had to conform their lives to it. But what was the problem? They didn't. The laws were extrinsic to them. What is part of their actual makeup, their identity? And see, therein lies their problem. They never conformed their lives to God. And yet, what's unique about this new covenant with Jeremiah that God is making is now it's going to be written on their hearts. Now it's going to be part of who they are, intrinsic to themselves. In fact, if they no longer abide by the law, they don't no longer recognize it, then they no longer recognize their own true identity as God's chosen people. Now, in our day and age, we have to realize, you know, we conform ourselves to many different laws, even from a very early age. 
Just look, for example, Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts. Little boys, girls, they join the Scouts, and the clubs have rules, expected behavior, and what to be as a Girl Scout or a Boy Scout. So from a very early age, you know, we conform to certain rules. Well, the Israelites' problem is that they didn't. You know, they saw the law as burdensome and arbitrary. Therefore, God is going to write that on their hearts so it becomes part of their own identity, something that is truly intrinsic to them. Now, I'll give you a good analogy what this means. Take football. A young girl or a young boy, they set out to learn football and play it. Well, their coach teaches them at a very early age. This is how you hold the ball. This is how you throw it. You know, do it this way, not that way. This is how you stand. This is how you catch a pass. This is how you read defenses. Now, the laws or the rules of football lure the child into a series of disciplines and practices. And that's what's most important. Now, when the child is first starting out, the rules or the laws of football are extrinsic to them. You know, it seems burdensome. And as they begin to start off playing football, it becomes awkward. You know, the kids have an awkward way of, you know, standing, catching the ball with their hands rather than the body. But what's the key? Practice. The more and more they practice, the more and more they become comfortable with the laws or the rules of football. To that what? Eventually, the laws and the rules of football become instinctive to them. You know, it becomes part of their mind and their body. You know, throwing, standing, they no longer think about, you know, dropping back for a pass, reading defenses. They no longer think about the coach's instructions. It becomes natural for them. See, this is what happens when the law is taken into them. See, this is what God wants. That's why he has Jeremiah tell the Israelites, I'm going to write the law on your hearts so it becomes natural for you, so you don't have to always be thinking about following it. And yet, did the Israelites resist? Absolutely. You look up and down the Old Testament. That's why Jesus, when he comes, he says to the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked and stubborn group. You know, they don't have faith. It's kind of like a kid that doesn't practice. A kid that doesn't practice a sport that he's trying to learn will never learn it. Well, so too with the Israelites. They resist God's laws, and therefore they keep it extrinsic to them, external to them. And yet God wants it to be internalized so that they conform their lives to the law. You know, just like a kid as he's you know, conforming his lives to the law or the rules of football, and the more he practices it, the more he becomes a greater player, the more he effortlessly plays the game. Well, so too with us. You know, we have laws and rules in the Catholic Church. You know, not just the Ten Commandments or the Beatitudes, but other laws and the rules of our church. These laws are, you know, the sanctity of marriage between man and woman, the sanctity of life. You know, our doctrine on the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist, the perpetual virginity of Mary. You know, these are all rules and laws that we take in. They become intrinsic to us, part of who we are. Therefore, we conform our life to them. And the more and more we practice these laws, the more and more they become part of who we are. 
and we conform our life to them. Now, do these laws, you know, are they burdensome? Are we enslaved to them? No, I would argue the laws of our church, our doctrine, and our dogma actually set us free. Go back to that analogy of the young boys and girls learning football. If I were to give a football to a group of young boys and girls and say, you know, go out into that field and play football, and they didn't know how to play the game or the rules, well, it would be absolute chaos. The kids wouldn't know how to play and they would be miserable. But when they know the laws, the rules of football, that a touchdown is six points, that they have to go 10 yards to get a first down, then they get lost in the game. Then they start enjoying themselves. Then they truly are free to practice or play the game. Well, so too with us. You know, we follow the rules and the laws and the doctrines and the dogmas of our church. And what happens? Now we're truly free. Now we're truly free to practice our faith, to conform our lives to Christ, and to worship the Lord. And see, that's why coming to Mass is so important every week. Every time we come to Mass, we, you could say, re-ratify the covenant that Jesus made with his apostles at the time of the Last Supper. We have to remember that at the time of the Last Supper, Jesus established a covenant with us. Now remember, he's at the Last Supper with the apostles. The apostles represent us, the church. Therefore, he establishes the covenant that will last forever. That's why he tells the apostles, the church, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. More to it, he says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. Well, that's the covenant that we have with Christ. And every week when we gather for Mass, we renew that covenant. We, like the covenants of the Old Testament, it's an exchange. We take vows. We will give ourselves over to God, and Christ will give himself over to us. Now, it's so interesting. The covenant that Jesus establishes with our church at the time of the Last Supper, just like the Old Testament covenants required a bloodletting, except it was Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on the cross, his blood that flowed from his side, that was the blood that established the covenant that we have with Jesus Christ. We didn't have to sacrifice an animal. Instead, it was God himself that was sacrificed, his blood that was poured out. And so, therefore, we recognize that every time we gather for Mass, the blood relationship that we have for God, instead of being poured out, now it's being poured into us. Every time we come for communion, every time we come down the aisle, we receive Jesus' body and his blood. Now that blood is being poured into us. See, what we have to realize, every time we gather for Mass, the law is taken into us, literally. Remember, Jesus Christ is the law. He embodies the law. He is the law itself. Therefore, every time we come up for communion, we eat his body, we drink his blood. Therefore, we take the law literally into ourselves. And the law for us as Catholics is not just written on our hearts, but in our mind and our soul, our will and our intellect. And see, that's the beauty of the law. This is exactly what God wants, such that now it becomes an instinctively for us to follow the law effortlessly. We conform our lives to God. 
You know, a great example of this is the parishes that I have. You know, we established stewardship and evangelization almost two years ago, and we learned what we have to do is share our prayer, our skills and abilities, and our treasure with the parish, recognizing how we can contribute all those things on behalf of the greater good of the faith community. And therefore, as a stewardship parish, an evangelization parish, we as parishioners recognize the question, what can I do to help? What can I do to strengthen this faith community? And see, the more we practice evangelization and stewardship, the more that question becomes instinctive. We don't have to think about it anymore. It becomes part of who we are. And we naturally get ourselves involved in any way, shape, or form in the life of the community so that the community can benefit by it. And see, that's exactly what the first reading from Jeremiah is getting at. Well, now we're living that out about 2,500 years later. And that's the beauty of it. Today, the first reading reminds us about the covenant that we established with Jesus Christ at the time of the Last Supper and how every time we gather for Mass, every week, we renew that covenant, we conform our lives to Christ, and now it's written on us. We take it in. It's written on our heart, our mind, our soul, our will, and our intellect. And therefore, now we effortlessly live it out each and every day of our life. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.